You are listening to a special investigation on sexual education and awareness among the Little Village community as part of a partnership between Yolo Cali Arts Reach in Little Village and the Social Justice News Nexus at the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University. We didn't really talk about that either, like how to communicate with your partner about sex. The boys in the class were kind of like not paying attention. They were like, ew, what is this? I feel like what the church is teaching young people about sex is how to avoid it. I was somebody that played with dolls and my dad would, he would like scream at me, he would hit me. People will do it whether or not you're telling them not to. Parents are very awkward when it comes to talking about sex. It was very intimidating. I never liked my sex at class. What are schools teaching our youth? How well informed are youth? Dilemmas between cultural norms, religion, school facts and reality. The work of community organizations, health institutions, providing resources to educate families. Acceptance of the LGBTQ community. Let's talk about consent and sexual wellness. Let's open the conversation. So we've heard the opinions from the teachers, from organizers, and from youth regarding their opinions on sexual education, but what about parents? Mm, supportive. Either if they're not like comfortable enough talking with their child, like be thankful that somebody else is doing it with them. Honestly, uh, it's just very awkward to talk to your parents about it. A parent should have that connection with their children because I should feel comfortable going to my mom and asking her questions. And I do. I think that's something that all children should have. Like, maybe just hover around, but not, like, say, oh, you can't be doing this and that. We're our own person now, so we should be able to, like, decide what we want. Our parents can't be controlling us forever, our whole life. Yeah, because my sister got pregnant at 15, so my parents constantly talk about that and safe sex, and yeah. No, I don't. To my mom, no. I just feel awkward talking to my mom about that. My dad, no, it doesn't know it's even worse. Yeah, because I just have that connection well, when it comes to my mom. Personally, I haven't talked about it, but I don't feel like there would be a problem. No, <laughs> it's awkward, but I mean, I wouldn't mind talking to them about it, you know? I think so. Yeah, my parents aren't really that um, strict about it. They're pretty open. No, <laughs> I, I do feel embarrassed. They have, like, too much fear if I ask. I feel like I have a very, very rare situation because I've grown to have that connection with my mom. Sometimes I don't understand why my friends don't do it but like with their parents, but I have to take all things in consideration that not a lot of parents are the same. And there you have it. We just heard from some students who wanted to just share that information that parents should indeed participate in their sexual education. We actually have Gerardo Salgado who's going to shed some more light on this topic. Hi, Oscar. And for today, I want to speak up on the parent's point of view on sexual education, as well as the parent's role in a, in their children's sexual education journey, where it goes from questioning and to answering, and if whether or not these youth or their children have the capability to open up with their parents on either the stigmas, misconceptions, and as well as other questions that they might have on their gender identities or gender roles in life, 
and not just as well as outer outer spectrums, but also as well as them as being their children and opening up to to their own parents. Exactly, it's very important that these children not only have you know resources uh, outside of their classrooms, like these sources here that we talked about recently, you know, regarding BAM and Wow, but also external resources. It's it's important that they should be able to talk to their parents and that their parents support them and their their choices. And they're just there to just speak with them and give them a lending hand, any information that they may need. Because, again, if they don't get information from some from an trusted adult, they could go to a uh, you know any other source. And in that case, they could get confused or maybe even read. Exactly. Yeah, wrongful information. So the thing about the parents is that they act as the first barrier of defense for anything that the children might learn or might catch on in their life. I want to introduce a Vox Populi that I was able to gathered together based on the survey that we were able to conduct on the residents of all ages. We were able to prioritize the youth and the parents of Little Village to touch up on the importance of sexual health and as well as the stigmas that come along with it. Uh, my name is Elva Godinez. Jesse. Uh, Marlo Baca. Latanya Lane. Uh, my name is Purov Bot. Uh, Lucia Torres. Do you have a child who attends a public school? Si. I do. I have two. Uh, one that's in kindergarten and one that's about to be in kindergarten. I do. I do not. She's too young. I do. What are your views on sexual education courses being taught in public schools? Ah, uh, pues yo pienso que es una muy buena opinión que den información sobre la educación sexual. Porque están más informados los niños, los papás también. Sabemos que están ayudando ahí a nuestros hijos. I think it's needed. There needs to be a lot of awareness so that people can make informed decisions. Well, my my memory is that we had it in grade school. We would take you know kind of these like um, yearly trips to to sex ed to like the Robert Crown Center, and they would teach us stuff um, in class and at that center. Um, so I I'm for it for sure. I think it's definitely needs to be there. I really want them to be taught in public schools. I think it's definitely appropriate and important. At the right age, I think it's appropriate. Do you teach or talk about sexual health within your family or children? Ah, todavía no porque mi niña la más grande solo tiene 8 años. No sé si ya es la edad o si un poquito más grande. No, I don't. I think there needs to be safe uh, places for teens to be able to talk about it and ask questions. Yeah, they're they're kind of young right now, but for sure we're definitely going to talk to them early on as, as soon as they can understand it. You know, getting them the basics and help, helping them with questions if they have any. But for sure, yeah. Yeah, for sure, 100%. Yeah, we should all ask questions and know more and seek out answers if we don't have them. I do what I can, and I don't know, like, it's like math. Like, I know some things about math, but I want my child to have access to a teacher who knows lots of things. Similarly, I know some things about sex, but I would like my child to have a comprehensive a, you know, a trusted adult giving comprehensive information about sex. Yes. 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 Well, I mean, if you're going to teach your kids, you should be educated yourself. So that's that's the main reason. Yeah, I think I agree with him, but also it's um, it's important for your children to learn it from, obviously from your parents, but also important to learn from, you know, their their teachers and other you know, adults that they they look up to and that they are around you know, most of the day when they're at school. So yeah, definitely. What is the stigma about sex that you think lacks progression? 
En los tiempos de antes, nuestros papás nunca nos hablaban de ese tema. Y uno estaba nomás ahí como que con miedo. ¿Qué va a pasar cuando una relación entre un hombre y una mujer? No sabíamos nada. Y ahora sí me gusta la, la información que están dando más para los jóvenes. People might think that if you talk about it, that you're promoting like sexual promiscuity. Um, and, I, and I think that's why there's a lot of secrecy with sex. And there, yeah, there shouldn't be. There should, they should be able to talk about it with trusted adults in their lives. And uh, But the adults have to be the ones to let teens know that they can talk about it with them and ask questions. And they don't need to be shy or embarrassed about it. So I think it's something that starts with the adults first. Well, I, I, we all need to be kind of um, up to date with what's going on around us. Um, now that we're parents, uh, like myself and my wife, it's kind of a different dynamic because it's not just us. They're kind of learning and how, how do they learn, how do they need to be explained things. I know with my, with my parents, they never really talked about it. And so we want to kind of break that cycle and kind of help them understand things that they don't understand and us keep, keep ourselves informed. I think, I think it should be because if you're, if you're not talking to your kids about it, they're going to learn from somewhere else. So I'd rather have the conversation with them rather than a friend who might maybe not, you know, give them the right advice or lead them down a different path. So I'd rather be kind of a one-on-one -on -one with them. Where I come from, it's like if you don't talk about it, then people won't do it, and that isn't true. Um, but I think too, like our bodies get sexualized when it's just sometimes, sometimes it's just our bodies and it's like not from that. So I feel like having like a healthy engagement with our body can be really important. And then too, I think like we, we just, we kind of freak out if kids, if we think about kids having sex and it's like, I mean, it's something we all do eventually. So why don't we make sure people have good information about how not, how to do that safely and in a way that's enjoyable. So yeah. I think that exposing kids to a lot of different preferences and body types and sexual preferences and what you know how you choose to carry yourself. So ex the more they're exposed to, I think the, the better it is. So like you know if they they meet a transgendered person, then they won't be so scared of. You know that's an example. Maybe just being more open and more um, having more conversations. I feel that as far as like our. Uh, being Latina and like in the Latino community, having more open conversations within your own family um, to have your children be comfortable to be able to ask you questions and you know if they are thinking about becoming you know sexually active that they can feel comfortable coming to you like saying so they can be safe about it you know. Um, so I think that really hasn't progressed much right if you're in like in a traditional Latino home like you don't talk about it. You know, it's it's like you said, it's like a stigma. You don't you don't do it. You don't talk about it. I didn't grow up like that. My parents were really open about it, and so I think that helped me a lot. But I know a lot of people that didn't have that. And I think it should should change. It'd be different. Yeah. Catholic things are problem. Yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. I'll just put yeah. that on the record. Okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, you're welcome. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Right. And what you just listened to was the opinion of parents and what they wanted to share with you regarding sexual education and their you know, thoughts on what it is that they need to do and the steps that they should take in educating their children before you know anybody else does. Of course, you want to make sure that it's a trusted adult, it's a trusted source, and they don't go out and get misled and learn misconceptions because 
we all know that there's tons of information on the internet, and one of the most common things to know is that not everything on the internet is true. What do you think, Jerry? I definitely agree with everything like the parents have mentioned, and as well with what you said, like everything in the internet cannot be true. So sometimes it's always good to ask questions and go to a trusted adult or a professional or someone who knows valuable information on that field. So it's, pre- it's pretty uh, important for youth and as well for parents to uh, educate themselves so they can have meaningful t- conversations and vice versa as well for future generations. Exactly. And just as they mentioned, it's important that parents who probably weren't raised with these ideals of, you know, maybe their parents didn't talk to them about sex in their household. And it's important that if you weren't talked to as a child, if you want to try maybe breaking the ice, then you do go ahead and do so. It's important that that information you have to share with your child is, you know, something that you truly believe in and that it's like something you want to make sure that they carry with them in the future because the last thing you want is for them to pick up something from any stranger that you might not 100% agree with. And again, that may lead to misconceptions or even maybe fear of people who are maybe different from one another. And that's just something that we can't have. But I know that aside from parents, there are plenty of other resources for these uh, youth out there. Jerry, would you mind sharing or elaborating on that? Yeah, I wanted to quote a little bit on one of the parents that mentioned something. His name is Parov Bot, and he mentioned about showing exposure to teens and youth at a younger age to different identities and preferences, and as well as uh, showing the trueness of the world of how people are different from others. So I think that's one thing that really got my attention, me being a male and hearing a, a male father that exposure is something that is something good and to get rid of the stigma of being scared of meeting other people that who are different from who you are. So I think that's definitely something that I really agree on with the parents, and I was really thankful that the parents were being very honest and also very truthful to what they want for the future of their kids, but not just their kids, but as, as well for the future of other generations and other kids as well. All right. So in regards to sexual education, what other resources are available out there for our community as well as the youth living in the area, Jerry? There are various resources in the community and as well as the area, but one collective I would like to touch upon is the Chicago Dyke March, a grassroots mobilization and celebration of dyke, queer, bisexual, and transgender resilience who happen to be continuing their third year in Little Village. Their third year in Little Village? And uh, have they always been here in Little Village, Jerry? No, they have not. My name is Ariana and I'm currently supporting the Chicago Dyke March Collective. And my name is Crystal and I'm a member of the Chicago Dyke March Collective. Dyke March currently is a collective of POC, queer and trans individuals who may or may not identify as dyke precisely, but all kind of work together to organize this rally once a year, the day before Pride, to kind of highlight and celebrate the lives of queer and trans uh, people of color, specifically in community. As the march, they've always tried to 
really work closely with local organizations, organizations that have been in the neighborhood for a long time, right, to kind of learn more about the neighborhood, be able to do outreach successfully, right, and really connect, bring like a, a, a rally that, you know, is for people who are from all over the city and at the same time, you know, their local neighborhood. And I think through that, just making connections with different schools, you know, different folks that work with young people, with community members to really kind of, you know, make sure that people understand why the march is happening. I think that the way that when I speak to community folks and, you know, folks who own um, businesses around uh, the neighborhood, it's like, you know, exactly like that, that it happens right before Pride and with the goal to be more community oriented, right? To be a celebration and at the same time, make it known that, you know, the different issues that impact the queer community, you know, that usually aren't very evident or obvious to, to folks or that aren't highlighted. Being present, right? And like highlighting our existence in community. Also for, for me, one of the priorities is like for young people, like for young people to see that we can do this right we can do this out on the street collectively and support each other and seeing like you mentioned like families coming out and little kids laughing and wanting to join right and it's not an attack as more as it is uh showing up all you right like showing support so visi visibility to and like presence is something that i think is very real and you know important All right, so Jerry, I'm well aware that aside from the Chicago Dyke March, you've got plenty of other resources. Um, would you mind shedding some more light on that? Yes, Oscar. So I also have Project Vida. Project Vida is a local organization located in Little Village. Project Vida's mission is to improve the quality of life and reduce health disparities in underserved communities by promoting self-empowerment and providing holistic health, education, and direct services. So... By providing these resources, how exactly would you say they're providing for their community? Project Vida offers direct services for people who have been affected or are being affected by HIV and AIDS and various prevention and education programs. I think it's important that people who use these sources are, you know, not only informed about their bodies, but know that these sources are available. I, that's pretty cool that they offer that. Any more resources you'd like to touch upon? Yes, one last one, Howard Brown. Howard Brown Health was founded in 1974 and is now one of the nation's largest lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer organizations. Wow, that's pretty interesting. Does everyone have access to this uh, facility and its various services? Howard Brown is open to anyone and everyone of all ages and all genders in any of their locations. To touch upon a little bit of Howard Brown... The mission of Howard Brown Health Center is to promote the well-being of gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender persons, the provision of health care and wellness programs, including clinical, educational, social service, and research as long as there are no intellectual activities. Howard Brown Health Center provides these programs in a confidential, supportive, and nurturing environment. They are also committed to working cooperatively with other community-based organizations in serving the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender community. I think it's fantastic that the LGBTQ community has resources just like these available to them that are, you know, not only unbiased, but just openly uh, accepting of them, you know, because if we're going to be honest, I know it's not easy. And having resources such as these here available for everybody, really uh, anybody, you know, there's like no walls, no boundaries here just opened up. It's it's pretty good, great that, you know, the community can offer something like that back to the to the LGBTQ community. My name is Antonio Elizondo, 
and I work at Howard Brown Health. I'm a young Latinx person, identify as a male, use he, him pronoun. I've lived in Chicago all my life, grew up near Midway on the South Side and have worked at several agencies throughout my time working with nonprofits. A little bit about where I work, what I do. So Howard Brown Health is a health clinic network now um, that has begun to branch out in several parts of Chicago. We're now on the far north side, near Lakeview, um, recently at La Casa Norte on the west side, and then we're also south in Inglewood, 55th and 47th. Howard Brown, specifically what I do there is I'm the manager of Sexual and Reproductive Health Outreach Services, and so I coordinate two grants, one in the city, one in the suburbs, one funded by CDC, one funded by IDPH, and we offer HIV and STI testing to the community, kind of at large in the Chicago and Chicagoland areas. So Howard Brown offers several health resources. So we offer connections to PrEP. We offer linkage to care for folks who are diagnosed with HIV. We offer um, linkage to treatment and care for STIs. We also do regular primary care. So folks are will always welcome to come on in, access those services. Recently, we've begun alternative insemination programs. Um, so that's pretty exciting, something that Howard Brown's taking on for the queer community. So we try to focus on what health looks like for queer individuals and breaking down barriers or boundaries that some of those individuals may have in other um, healthcare settings that aren't specialized for that population. So for example, um, one big barrier that happens is with trans folks when they're coming in for services and they get um, misgendered or their, um, their dead name is used, or they're not asked what name they prefer. And so if that happens when you're looking at like initial registration or just coming on in, that can end up like turning this person away. And sometimes these people may have come from miles away. Some people come from as far as Indiana to come and access services because they understand that this is a place that is affirming for them. And so that's just one example of a barrier that someone might have in the queer community. So up until about maybe two years ago, we were a three-clinic organization, and now we've grown to nine to ten clinics. There's obviously a very great need for folks um, of the queer community to get health care in a format that is probably the most appealing to them and reduces barriers um, to them accessing care. And so our hope is to continue to expand and offer these services, not only to queer folks, but also persons of color who may have... Um, different barriers to care, maybe a sliding scale fee is something that's beneficial to them. So that's something that we also do. Howard Brown Health also has a sector called the Broadway Youth Center. And so the Broadway Youth Center focuses on youth between the ages of, I want to say 12 and 29. Um, and so people who are looking for like a drop-in space, we also, um, through that facility, help a lot of youth who are experiencing homelessness or housing instability. So we have showers, we have laundry units, we have um, other like personal care items, hygiene items that they may need. So through that facility, they're able to do some kind of like drop-in services. They have programming for folks to come in and just kind of maybe do like job readiness. Through Howard Brown's connection with their thrift stores, which are called the Brown Elephants, we also help youth access some job readiness with clothing by going to those places and getting vouchers to go ahead and get clothes. So we try to um, really get to those communities that are like facing like marginalization or oppression. And so I'm very fortunate to work for an organization that has that passion as well that I share. So that's exciting. I think many people would share that sexual education in public schools here in Chicago is subpar. 
and is lacking variety to various lifestyles. I think that folks who come from different experiences in living, different sexuality identities, different gender identities, um, folks who are trans aren't going to be well received uh, or won't get the information they need from what's being currently put out. And so by like adapting to include these people's perspectives and life experiences and maybe like asking youth what they want to know would be beneficial. But I think currently we're doing a disservice by not educating folks on the type of sex that maybe they're having. So without including queer sex, you're missing out a whole percentage of the youth that are being educated. So I think when we're doing HIV and STI education through our screening counseling sessions, we always ask people what type of sex they're having. And we try to focus mainly on like body parts versus like sexual orientation. You know, some people call their body parts one thing and someone else might call it one thing. And so it's best to always ask people what types of sex they're having, what's the penetration look like, what barriers and safe practices are they using. So like when you customize the education, you get a better result in folks feeling like they can be receptive to that information and identify with the information they're receiving. So not just touching upon that, Gerardo, would, would you like to share anything else? That- well, touching upon these organizations, I would like to thank them, first of all, for being here in the community and being active, not just locally, but as well as around Chicago. Thank you, Project Vida, and thank you, Howard Brown, for being here for the community and as well for the community members of the LGBT, as well as the, showing the importance of uh, education and how it can affect and how it can also improve the quality of life for people who are actively engaging in sexual activities or just actively engaging in relationships as well. So as per our research resources, we used the 2017-2018 HIV STI surveillance report, which was done by the Chicago Department of Public Health. Now, the Chicago Department of Public Health believes that all Chicagoans should have the opportunity to be sexually healthy. However, we recognize that specific population groups, such as residents of certain community areas and individuals of specific races, ethnicities, and sexual gender identities do not have an equitable chance at achieving sexual health. Through vital partnerships with communities, researchers, healthcare providers, and public as well as private organizations, we remain committed to creating opportunities so every person in our city can attain full sexual health. And that is a direct quote from the Chicago Department of Public Health gathered from their 2017 to 2018 HIV and STI surveillance report. So let's have it, Jerry. Any other resources we need to mention? Yes, we also have the Sexual Health Curriculum Connection, which has information and resources for parents and guardians coming from the Chicago Public School Sexual Health Education Curriculum. The Curriculum Connection is a companion guide to the Chicago Public Schools Sexual Health Education Curriculum, and it provides parents as well as guardians with useful information and resources about what students will learn during sexual health education at every grade level. And for any youth or persons out here in the community who are interested in an alternative space that can help you with any questions or information you may need to further your sexual education, you can always look to Yolo County Arts Reach an alternative space in Little Village that offers a place for youth to learn and talk about sex openly. Through workshops, teen exhibitions, and special events, Yolo Kali's pop-up youth radio invites the community to participate and listen in on youth-led discussions. 
Through sharing stories, questions, and concerns, the youth have discussed a variety of topics, including safe sex, consent, and LGBTQ issues. This was a special investigation on sexual education and awareness among the Little Village community by Melissa Regalado, Katie Rice, Gerardo Salgado, Oscar Perez, and Chris Schultz, as part of a partnership between Yolo Cali Arts Reach in Little Village and the Social Justice News Nexus at the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern University. Special thanks to all the youth, parents, teachers, organizers, and community leaders for sharing their stories and experiences for the completion of this investigation.